Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering in the dark with us for the first time, welcome. They say seeing is believing, but often when we're faced with the strange and unusual We're skeptical if it's real. That instant, that moment of hesitation can be the difference between life and death. A high price to pay if you don't believe your eyes. First, when your safe place becomes your nightmare. Then, family heirlooms that will be the death of you. Followed by a voice in your head begging for help. And finally, in our featured story, it's not a ghost if the person isn't dead. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Don't believe your eyes. Walking in the woods alone during the day is like a fairy tale. But when the sun goes down, the darkness comes alive. Like in this story, inspired by Vivian. Nessa and her mom had a trail where they liked to take walks. They called it their secret path because they had never seen another person on it, which made it special for the two of them. The path wound through the woods behind their house. Nessa's mom warned her to never walk the path alone. One day, Nessa grew impatient, waiting for her mom to get home, and decided to walk the path alone. There was a chill in the air, and the path seemed different, and it led her in what felt like a wrong direction. Before she knew it, Nessa was lost, and it was getting dark. As she walked, she heard a rustling noise nearby. Nessa turned to see what it was, but she saw nothing. She took two more slow steps until she heard the rustling noise again. This time, accompanied by the sound of footsteps crunching on the frozen leaves. They weren't light footsteps either. They sounded 
heavy, like they were attached to something rather large. Nessa grew nervous and began to pick up her pace, desperate to find her way home. The rustling stopped for a moment and Nessa began to relax until she saw a figure a little way up the trail. It was hard to make out in the dimming light, but it was large and looming. Nessa froze and suddenly the figure turned and looked right at her. She could see glowing, blood-red eyes focused on her. The eyes were framed by dark, tattered flesh with bones poking through. The figure began to make its way slowly towards Nessa, prowling like a tiger. Nessa couldn't move, paralyzed with fear. As the figure stalked closer, Nessa could see horns on its head, which looked like they belonged on a big mountain goat only They were dripping with blood, just like the figure's razor-sharp teeth. Nessa snapped out of her frozen stupor and began to run. She looked back over her shoulder and saw the figure chasing her. Terrified, Nessa ran as fast as she could, calling out for her mom. The path began to wind and twist in wild directions, but Nessa had to follow it as the woods around her were too thick and sharp for her to cut through. Nessa could hear the monster closing in on her, the sound of its heavy footsteps approaching, and its growl-like breathing terrified her. She called out for her mom again and again. She was desperately trying to find an end to the secret path that would lead her back home, but nothing around her was familiar. This was not the same path she had walked many times, and it was dusk, so she could barely see now. Suddenly, the path disappeared. It just stopped in front of her. As she reached the end, she searched in all directions for somewhere else to run, somewhere else to hide, but there was nothing. Nothing but an impenetrable wall of trees on all sides of her. Nessa was trapped. She turned around and saw the monster coming right at her. As it lunged into the air, she could see the blood dripping from its fangs, its horns now glowing red to match the blood-red eyeballs its arms outstretched to grab her. Nessa shrieked at the top of her lungs as she crumpled into a ball. The only thing she could think, this is how it ends. She kept screaming, her head down and her eyes closed, clutching her knees, waiting for the monster to sink its teeth into her. But the bite never came. Then all was quiet. Nessa was too alarmed to move or to look up. She felt a hand on her and she screamed. But as she opened her eyes, she saw that the hand belonged to her mother. The scary version of their secret path had melted away. She was back at the normal start of the path just outside of her home. Nessa, what are you doing? I've been calling your name. Why didn't you answer me? Her mom had heard her screaming and had come to find her. Nessa cried. I was being chased by a monster and it was huge and bloody and it had fangs and horns and... (laughs) Nessa collapsed into her mom. She had saved her. When her mom entered the path, it restored it to its normal route, leading her back home and diffusing the terrifying monster. Nessa looked around once more, not believing her luck. Her mom brought her inside the house and Nessa vowed to never walk on that path alone again. 
she began to question whether the monster had been real, if she had actually been chased. But from time to time, when Nessa would look out the window, she would see a pair of glowing, blood-red eyes peering through the woods, and she knew that the monster was real, and just waiting for her to wander out alone again. Thank you so much, Vivian, for inspiring this unsettling tale in the forest. The year 2021, don't we all just want to get out and walk in the woods, even if it's alone? How about you, listener? Where was the first place you were brave enough to go by yourself? Is there anywhere you still won't go alone? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We are doomed to repeat the sins of the past if we never learn and accept the truth. One boy learns the hard way about his family history in this story inspired by Aiden. Just before Mateo was born, his great-grandparents passed away. They died in their bed, and the cause of death was ruled unknown. They left two dolls to Mateo's granddad, and these were no ordinary dolls. Mateo's granddad told him they had existed through the Great Depression, World War II, and all of the historical events that followed. The dolls were sharply dressed, in light blue suits with slicked-back brown hair and large, creepy smiles. Their eyes stayed open, always. And as if they witnessed the catastrophic events unfolding in front of them, they were changed. It's as if they were alive. When Mateo was seven, his family fell on hard times and had to move in with his granddad. The house was small, though, so Mateo shared a bed with his granddad. His granddad had kept the two dolls as one of his most prized possessions and placed them on a shelf near the bed. The two dolls, who he affectionately called Orville and Wilbur, were named after his personal heroes, the Wright brothers. His granddad told him that one day, Mateo would inherit these dolls as well. Mateo woke up that night when everyone was still asleep. He saw that the heads of the dolls had turned towards him, almost leaning in to get closer to him. After that, He would often wake up and find them in different positions, almost as if they were somehow moving on their own. He told his parents, but they thought he was just being playful. 
but Mateo felt he was right about Orville and Wilbur. They had always been kept near the bed of whichever family member owned them, and it was no coincidence that each owner had died mysteriously in their bed. One night, the LED light on the bedside table flashed, and the dolls both seemed to be looking intently at it. Mateo couldn't get the light to stop and began to grow afraid. Why won't you stop? He shouted. The light slowed its blinking. Are you a ghost? He asked. Flash once for no, twice for yes. The light flashed twice. They were ghosts. Are... Are you friendly? The light flashed once. No? A fright ran through Mateo's body. Just then, his mom came in to get him for dinner and the flashing light stopped. That night, Mateo was awoken abruptly by his grandfather shaking violently in the bed next to him. Mateo sat up and couldn't believe his eyes. Orville and Wilbur had come fully to life and were attempting to strangle Mateo's granddad. They had created a loop with the LED lamp cord and put it around granddad's neck. They were pulling it with all of their might, squeezing down tighter and tighter on granddad's neck. Mateo's grandfather gasped and clawed at the dolls. He reached for the cord tightening down around his windpipe, his eyes bulging. Mateo sprang into action, yanking at the possessed dolls and pulling the cord away from his grandfather's neck. Mateo grabbed Wilbur and yanked him off, flinging him out the window. Orville was now attacking Granddad's face, forcing his puppet body into his mouth to choke him. Mateo ran to the bed and grabbed Orville, his Granddad growing weaker. Orville had completely blocked Granddad's airway in his throat, and Mateo cried as he tried to pry the creepy little wooden doll out. Finally, Mateo dislodged the doll from his throat. The doll turned on Mateo. Orville wasn't going down without a fight. Granddad was so weak, he collapsed flat on the floor. Finally, Mateo's mother and father ran into the room and could not believe the sight in front of them. It looked as though Mateo had attacked his grandfather and was trying to destroy the doll. Orville had gone limp again not wanting the parents to see him as the sentient, possessed demon that he was. Mateo threw Orville out the window and ran over to hug his father, now safe. Mateo's granddad survived the attack. He had seen what the possessed dolls were capable of and was grateful to Mateo for saving his life. The next morning, they went outside to collect the dolls and destroy them, but the dolls were nowhere to be found. It appeared that Orville and Wilbur had scurried away in search of their new owner and next victim. Aiden, thank you so much for inspiring this story. There are some objects that I won't keep in the same room that I sleep in. Are there any that you won't keep in your room? Perhaps something like a jewelry box that normally would be in a bedroom, but you keep it on a mantle and you don't know why you don't want to keep it near where you sleep. Think about that. Investigate that feeling and let us know. Something scary at snarled.com.
The damage done to a person here on earth will follow them even after death, but the spirits must cope. Find out how in this story inspired by Harlem. Just before a young girl named Harlem had reached her teenage years, she had already discovered her connection with the dead. It came in small doses at first, whispers in her ear when no one was around, perhaps a book falling in the middle of a still and draftless room. Then came the dreams, quite vivid dreams with people she had never met, complete strangers coming to visit her. Eventually, Harlem realized these weren't coincidences, but rather people who had passed coming to her for connection. For the most part, they merely wanted to be recognized. They wanted to say hello. That was until the summer of Harlem's 12th birthday. While walking home from a friend's house alone, Harlem swore she heard a woman's voice calling for help. There was a bit of fear in her voice, which was unusual, and she was accompanied with a biting breeze. The closer Harlem walked to her house, the louder it became, and the words grew clearer. At a normal volume, the woman said, Please help me. You're the only one who can help me. Harlem began asking her questions to see how she could be of service, but the woman only repeated the same line, over and over. Please help me. You're the only one who can help me. Which kept growing louder and louder as Harlem drew closer to her house. Half a block away from home, with her front porch in sight, the noise began to be unbearable. It was so noisy that Harlem began to cover her ears and ran up her front steps and through the front door. Suddenly, the door slammed shut and the woman's voice felt as if she was standing right behind Harlem, and she shrieked, Help me! He's coming! This was swiftly followed by a loud thud coming from upstairs. As quickly as it began, the voice had stopped. Harlem pulled herself together, then continued forward as she felt drawn upstairs to the attic. She could feel it getting colder each step she took, letting her know she was close. In the middle of the dirty attic that was filled with boxes and antiques, she saw a jewelry box in the middle of the floor. As she approached, the box opened, and inside, a necklace revealed itself. It was long, with a teardrop diamond with an early 1900s look. Harlem took the necklace, vowing to help the spirit any way she could. The next morning, Harlem went to the local library, digging up any information she could on the history of her house. After hours of combing through old newspaper articles and several Google searches, there it was. The original owners of the home 78 years ago were a couple by the names Hank and Marjorie Malloy. Police were called frequently by neighbors due to abuse in the home. Then one day, people stopped seeing Marjorie altogether. Hank said his wife skipped town, but her family never heard from her again. She was shuffled into a missing person's pile and then deemed dead a few years later. Finally, there was a photo of Marjorie. Harlem leaned close and spotted the necklace. 
the same teardrop necklace around her neck. Harlem quickly went back home and pleaded with the spirit to talk with her. She knew her husband must have heard her, but she still didn't know how to help. But nothing. No voice. No weird noises. No chill in the air. Nothing for weeks. Harlem didn't know if the woman was gone or if it was because she must have misplaced the necklace. She was usually so careful, but woke up one morning and the necklace had vanished. Then, the evening of Harlem's 12th birthday, after the candles had been blown out, the guests had left and her parents were headed to bed. Harlem saw something in the backyard that caught her eye, something shiny and out of place. Harlem carefully went out back and started to walk toward the shed, toward the object. Suddenly, the temperature dropped the way it did when spirits were around. Harlem bent down, and in the grass lay the teardrop necklace. The woman's voice screamed, Here! Here! A shovel leaning against the shed fell to the ground, and Harlem knew what she had to do. After an hour of digging into the hard ground where the necklace was, she hit something hard. Bone fragments. Human bones. Harlem dug just enough to reveal what looked like fingertips. Old, rotten fingertips that undoubtedly belonged to Marjorie. The cold lifted immediately. It was silent. Harlem felt a sense of peace for the spirit. And just like that, the spirit, knowing Harlem would bring her justice, was finally free. Harlem. Thank you so much for sharing this story with us, for inspiring this telling now. How far would you go to help an unsettled spirit find peace? Because in a way, Harlem, I feel, was a little lucky that this was all that the spirit wanted to be found. Have you helped one before? Let us know if you have. You never know when your experience can help someone else figure out how and why a spirit is contacting them. Something scary at snarled.com. The Marines have no second thought about putting themselves in harm's way, even if it means risking their own life, like in this story, Inspired by the U.S. Navy tradition that says, no submarine is ever truly lost at sea. U.S. Marine Lee Salazar had been deployed at sea for 11 months and 12 days. Being stuck out in the Pacific Ocean, surrounded by the endless dark water, made him miss his family. While patrolling the deck one night by himself, he thought he saw someone beneath the current. Thinking he was losing his mind, and imagining things from repeated sleepless nights, he confided in his captain. Captain Harris went with Salazar to search and clear the deck. It was difficult to see anything beyond the black sky, but just as they were about to finish their search, he saw it again. There, right there, tell me you see that, Salazar pleaded. And there it was, a bright light clear as day, cutting through the murky waves of the ocean surface and into the night sky. The captain saw it too. They hurried to check the sonar. 
the sound navigating system that let them detect things deep beneath the surface. The captain was speechless. Salazar was amped. Thank God I am not going crazy. I saw a person down there, Captain. I swear it. What is it? It looks like an active submarine, the captain said. It's in distress. Captain, look! Salazar pointed back out to the light and the water. The submarine light was blinking. Three short flashes, three long flashes, three short flashes. That's Morse code. SOS. They needed help. Salazar was shocked when the captain looked at him. Let's leave it alone, he said. Marine Salazar knew he had to do something. He grabbed his diving gear and let himself slide into the water over the side of the boat. Once underwater, he could see the distressed submarine. It was rocking back and forth. It seemed like the crew were running from side to side inside the sub. When Salazar finally got close enough to the ship, his heart dropped and he couldn't believe his eyes. The back of the submarine was missing, allowing Salazar to enter with his scuba gear. As he swam through the vessel, he saw a shadow out of the corner of his eye. But as he approached it, nothing was there. Salazar drew his knife and navigated through the dark hull, prepared for whatever he might encounter. He saw something moving quickly towards him as he rounded the corner, and he stabbed to a stop what he thought was a man coming toward him, but his knife got stuck in the interior wall. There was no one there. His pulse began to rise in anticipation. He needed to find the man sending out the distress signal. Salazar moved faster through the ship. And possibly, he heard a toilet flush and made an about face and headed in that direction. He pushed open the door of the head. No one. Desperate to find someone, he made his way to the bridge. Salazar burst into the war room, expecting to find anyone, but it was also empty. But Salazar could feel the presence of the crew. As he swam around the room to look for any clues, he noticed the calendar on the wall. It read January 5th, 1944. That was 76 years ago, he thought. As the information sunk into Salazar's head, he felt something warm on the back of his neck, and it sent a chill down his spine. He turned around slowly to see the decayed skeleton of a man wearing the remnants of a uniform. The skeleton didn't say a word. It just stood there, breathing, heavy and heavier. Salazar blew past the skeleton and scrambled to get off the submarine. He swam back up to his ship as quickly as possible. Shaking, Salazar ran into the captain's quarters. There was no one there, Captain. Not a person, but a, a skeleton, and the captain interrupted him. A ghost of rotten bones. Damn it, Salazar, I told you not to go down there. Salazar told him the date on the calendar. The captain didn't seem surprised. Submarines and their crew don't ever go missing. That sub must have been from World War II. Those men are not lost. They just wanted to let us know, even though we haven't heard from them in a while, they are and always will be still on patrol. The reason I didn't want you to disturb them is because if you do, 
they'll follow you forever. As these words landed on Salazar, he could see the ghost of the man from the submarine appear behind the captain. Salazar pointed, but the captain turned his head, seeing nothing. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson, produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings. Sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.